Welcome to A State of Mind, a podcast series all about motivating, inspiring, and educating you in the art of selling luxury real estate. This is Diane Hartley, and I'm president of the Institute for Luxury Home Marketing. Today, we'll be talking to one of the best minds in real estate marketing, David Collins, about what's happening in luxury real estate now and how to be successful in this upcoming spring market. But first, let's talk about our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Supreme Auctions, the only luxury auction company recommended by the Institute for Luxury Home Marketing. Supreme Auctions is widely recognized as the first auction company to design a program to work alongside and in partnership with luxury real estate professionals and their clients. So go to supremeauctions.com to learn more. So now today, let's talk to David Collins. So David is the president and CEO of Real Marketing, and he's a true visionary thinker with more than 20 years of experience in the real estate marketing field. His marketing advice and programs have generated billions of dollars in real estate sales for his clients. And he's hailed as one of the top experts in direct mail marketing, but he particularly enjoys educating luxury real estate professionals about the do's and don'ts of direct mail marketing. He has also been commissioned by some of the largest real estate companies in the world to advise them on market share domination, recruiting, and retention. Wow. Well, welcome, David. Welcome back. Well, thank you, Diane. It's truly a pleasure. You know, I love working with you and your team. It's great. Well, you're you're one of our more popular guests here on the podcast because every time we talk, there's some great thing that that you come up with and people walk away and wow, that's amazing. So thank you for all of your amazing insights. And so here we are in, right in the middle of one of the arguably one of the craziest real estate markets that, any, that anyone's ever experienced for all the right reasons, right? It's all the right reasons that are happening here. There's there's no, as I like to say, there's no shenanigans going on that are <laughs> that are driving what's happening. So so when we're in a situation like that, we really need to get creative about how we as professionals can actually impact the market that we're in. And only right. this one just happens to be an amazing one. So we know from all of the reports that the Institute puts out, and we just put out the latest uh, year in review for 2021, with some incredible insights around what's really happening and how some markets are moving directionally as expected and others, because there's not enough homes to sell, they're not moving as we would think they're moving. And so here we sit, David, and and I think we first, I, I'm curious about your history in a, any kind of a market like this. Like what, what is triggered for you in, in your, you know, deep history of, of helping people and yourself as well in these types of markets? Well, and you're right, Dunham. I mean, I've seen three different downturns, only going back to the 70s and the 80s, and then the crack for the, you know, the the, the mortgage debacle, which you call right. it. I put the, the, the yeah, the shenanigans. Shenanigans. My shenanigans. favorite. My favorite. And that's gone away. So, Diane, I think that um, if we look back as to uh, you know, as you and I like to refer to it as the mortgage shenanigans, you know, back in 07, when we came out of that market. Um, we literally saw uh, like a 12-year supply of luxury homes go to one year. So it, it, so that demand went real high. And then, of course, the inventory became low, like it is right now. So I think that, that for us, 
We've seen that. And there are some strategies that you can put out there um, to combat that. It, it takes a little bit more work, a little bit more effort on the agents. It takes a little bit of creativity. Um, but I do, there's a, I have a couple of clients that I've worked with. And um, maybe later on, we can talk a little bit about some strategies that we're looking to implement. Yeah, yeah, to, to, yeah. to make that happen. It, it, it's going to take a different approach. If we all just sit around and wait for it to change, guess what? It will. <laughs> But we won't be making the money that we want to be making. Well, and we and most importantly, we won't be ready. So so when I look at the data, as you said, and I and I think that's a terrific comparison because you know we're humans and what we tend to do is blink and forget what's happened. So it's good for us to kind of remember that in the last decade, right? Twenty in that 2010, 2011, 2012 timeframe, we were here. And we were here after you know, something that was relatively negative, but we we have not experienced that. So here we sit in in places where, you know, I think the first thing I'd like to, you know, talk to you about is this idea of these other markets, right? Markets that we don't necessarily think about that COVID created, right? The, right. the COVID effect, if you will. That's what we call it in our market re- report. We call it the COVID effect. Of On the good side, it's markets like Boise, Idaho, right? right? Where suddenly this is where people want to move to and then they get in a real inventory jam. And then there's places that are naturally what we think about when we think about luxury like Vail, where unfortunately there's no inventory in Vail. Right. Yeah. That And Aspen, the same thing. You know, you tell your ride, we have the, you know, the exact same issue is, is that... Uh, just Whistler in Canada, you know, for our Canadian friends, same, same, same deal. The inventory has gotten so low that I think we have to try and figure out how do we get the challenge in getting the inventory, in my opinion, is, is, is that if, if you want to sell my house, what can I buy? So if we can figure out how to cross that bridge to get people um, to list their homes with some confidence that they can own something, uh, I think that that's an incredible strategy. We can talk about that again later. Um, but again, I think you're right. If we do nothing and we fall asleep, what will happen is the market will change, as you've indicated, and we won't be ready. And most, unfortunately, in all industries now, and not just ours, most people wait for that, just like you say, that, oh, oh it changed. And that's like now. But wait a second. The real estate market is a three or four month secular cycle. So if, Diane, you decided to sell your house tomorrow, it wouldn't be tomorrow. You probably were talking about it, you know, for a couple of months with your partner or your spouse and, you know, like three months down the road. So if I'm an agent and I'm waiting for spring or the market to change and I decide, oh, in April, I'm going to jump on board. Unfortunately, I've been beat to the game by those agents that started in January and February and March. Interesting. And so we think about the getting ready to get ready, right? So right. here we sit. What do you think when we think about getting ready? What's the first thing that comes to your mind to have an agent be prepared for what is really now going to be a market where everybody wants to get back in again and there's nothing there? So so what what do you think is the first thing they should think about? Immediately is just to get yourself out there. And, yeah. and you know, of course, we use direct mail, especially in the luxury market. It is the most effective you know, the, the highest read rate uh, of any marketing, including radio or TV. Um, so that's 
really, and I've seen this for so many years, Diane. I'll give you another analogy and hopefully it applies. Uh, an agent in Scottsdale once said to me, I don't want to mail in August. Now, if anybody's ever been to the Valley of the Sun, it's 120 degrees and you walk outside, it's like a blow dryer. And so the perception is nobody's buying or selling. And so what I said to them is, well, and I went along with this for a year or two. And then when he said, I said to my team, look, we're big on research, pull the stats. Guess what the second highest sales and listing month is in Maricopa County, where Scottsdale Phoenix? It's August. No kidding. Right, it is. So it's really, really, really strange. So again, we go back to this thing. What do you, if you're asking me, like if I'm guiding an agent right now, which I do a lot of, and I've got a big meeting today with a Rancho Santa Fe agent that's 54 deals a year. And we're strategizing on this very thing. And that is, how do we position her now? So when the spring comes, she's the go-to agent. And we're using more of a consulting approach. It's like, we know you're thinking about selling in the spring. Let's start the conversation now. Let's figure out how we can get you into your next house and you not have to worry about low inventory. And we're doing some mailing programs, which if you want, we can elaborate on later. Yeah. But and mailing, yeah, mailing up and down the ladder, as, as I like to say. Sure, sure. So, David, those are all amazing points. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about was how do you create some demand for the seller while lifting the confidence of the seller that there's something out there for him or her to buy? Because as you said, the thing that's creating this inertia is I'm not selling my house because I don't think I can get anything else. Correct. Yeah. It is. And it's really what we're trying to do is create the, the confidence is there in the seller already. They're all very well aware that they could sell for a really good price right now. So now we want to create that a similar confidence in their eyes that they could buy something. Right. So there's and especially and I'm only addressing the luxury because that's what you and I do best. So and I'm and I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm just going to work at a market that we're working in right now is Rancho Santa Fe. And $3 million is kind of that, I hate to say this, kind of the lower end of the luxury market. That's just a fact. And Absolutely. $10 million is the upper end. Yeah. So one of the things we're looking at is we're going, we're targeting, we broke up the home values in Rancho Santa Fe by $5, $10, and $15 million. And there's about 500 homes in each. And so what we're going to do, I'm sorry, that's not true. There's 500 homes, $10 million and over, 2,600 homes. I'm just going by my memory here at $3 million and over. And so what we're trying, there's two strategies. First of all, I think that there is somewhat of a myth that there's nothing available. So absolutely publishing with our market report, we're taking this particular uh, agent, it's just a brilliant agent, and we're actually mailing the statistics. Oh, did you know 14 new houses came on the market last month? Because all, all the chatter is nothing is available. Right. And then we're going to try and we're going to try. We're going to educate the seller. Look, give us a call. Let us talk about how you could have had one of these homes and what needs to happen. And then that conversation, and I'm just going to be educational here. That conversation needs to be very clear and blunt that if you're going to go put an offer on a house in there right now, it's full price. And if you can do it without contingencies, you're good. I'm not a fan of that, um, just from the seller's or from the buyer's point of view, but a full price offer. And it's, it's got to be quick. I'll give you an example. Um, there was a home. I don't know if we should use. I'm going to use my own example. So I looked at a home, an investment property. And I showed up on the uh, Sunday open house at 11 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, there were 16 people lined up to try and get in this open house. 
by the end of the day, it was sold. So I put a tickler file in the MLS and a listing came up on Thursday. Thursday. An hour later, I was at the agent's office. We went to the house and I gave him a full price offer because what I was trying to do was avoid them putting it on the open house on Saturday because the same thing would happen. So these the sellers have to have a strategy or an agent that stands behind them that understands that this is how we're going to play this game right now. It's not about let's look at it two or three, four times and put an offer in because it's going to be long gone. I have another client in Salt Lake City looking to buy a $600,000 house, which is a nice home in Salt Lake City. Right? And I tried to coach her and she's, she's an agent. I'm like, she, three houses she didn't get. I said, so what'd you do? Oh, I went in 10 on the list asked. I go, well, and what happened? It didn't happen. Right. So finally, she finally got the house under contract, full price offer, you know, and made it instantly, like right away. Yeah. So that's the strategy once you have it. Let's unpack that a little bit, because I think the two situations that you described are exactly what people think is happening. And for the faint of heart, that's just not a place where they want to play. Right. So so but you did say something that I think is really important. Um, First is education. Okay that we tend to, as people, just make these sweeping generalizations. And so from the real estate professional standpoint, they're not coming into this home via literally or figuratively with direct mail where people don't already have an opinion. They do. And their opinion is there's nothing out there for me to buy. Correct. So if we accept that notion going in and the agent themselves feel powerful enough to impact that scenario. Your suggestion was making first, and it's a great one, right? Break it down. Luxury is a buy-up market, period. Yep. So if that's the case, right? Everywhere you turn, that's that's what it is. Because it's the case that it's a buy-up market, you have to break the market up into here's where you are, here's where you're going to buy up to, right? Correct. Absolutely. Talk a little bit further about that. Rancho Santa Fe is look. I mean, it's 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 pretty specific. But I I when I think about the strategies of if there's uh, twenty six hundred homes at three million plus, how are you? What are you doing with those twenty six hundred homes then? So we broke them up into three to five, five to I think five to eight or five to ten, and then ten and above. And so now what we want to do is actually mail to the book. Watch this, because there are a certain amount of luxury sellers who wouldn't mind a nice house, but don't want 7,000 square feet anymore. Right. And there's a lot of that going on. You and I have talked about this for years, yeah. right? And coming off the two-story into the one-story, there's a lot that's still always going to happen. So what if we took the $3 million, we know that there's uh, the $3 million value and we took those homes or those sent them a mailer and said, look, if you're interested in selling, I have potentially 500 different homeowners that would consider buying your home. Now, that seller wants to hear that. But let's reverse the message and go to the $5 million, I'm sorry, $5 million seller and say, look, it, let's send something out saying that you're interested in their home. Now, I'm going to tell you, I did this because I went to the community that I wanted to buy this house in. And I, there was that, there was nothing available, and or it was flying off on Sunday in an hour and a half. I there's, there's only 503 homes in that community. I mailed to all 503 homeowners and got five people to call me saying I'd be interested in selling. Wait a second, 
there's nothing on the market. So we used very convincing language that we had a very, that I was a serious buyer, right? I wasn't playing games. It doesn't, it wasn't fluffy. It was really, really to the point. But again, I got five calls. Now I ended, we ended up buying a unit in there that we wanted and we referred the five people that called us to the agent that sold me the house for a referral fee, which was brilliant, right? But it was, it was a great, great, great thing. But back to your other strategy, I think that if we can go to the, the, the luxury market and indicate to them, first of all, education, that there are, you know, 14 houses did come on the market last month and they sold. Um, and that there are 500 homeowners out there that potentially would love to own your home. And what home would you like to own? If I could sell your home, what home would you like to buy? Let me send this same letter to that homeowner. So if you're a $5 million seller and you want a $10 million house, tell you what, let's look at who we can get to buy yours, put them on hold and watch, it's not gonna be long, we're talking 30 days. And let me send the same letter to the $10 million seller and see if we can make a match. Now, the beauty of this is, is, is that um, there's like three sides to this deal that, that, that's gonna happen for the agent, right? You got one house, you got a second house, you got the third house. I don't know that the $10 million seller, just in my experience, and you may have the same um, experience, Diane, is a $10 million seller, unfortunately, I have to take, a lot of times that's a second home. And it's one of three or four. So they may not be looking for another $15 million home. They may be looking to just, you know, go hang out in Aspen for a while. Interesting. Interesting. So, all right. Now let's talk about a couple things that, that you mentioned. So you have this, um, this investor pool that's out there because what we know for sure still is that real estate in, in an inflationary situation like what we're in, Yep. economic situation like what we're in, real estate is a very attractive investment because it's a great hedge. So when you think about other ways in this in this spring market and, and really this low inventory situation, let's talk about the investors and how do you attract them and how do you help them? Got it. So I think that if we remember back to 2005, and I was in the industry since 88, um, there was something that we could always say in, in, in the entire history of our industry, and that was is that real estate has never gone down in value until 2005. Right. And, and then you get the shenanigans, which you, you talked about. Right. Yes. So it was, a, it was a false depreciation. But since then, that statement is still true again. Right. So I think that there's some, and, and some of us, you know, I had recently sold a business in 2005 and invested some of that money in residential real estate, some in the, the stock market. I'm still stinging from that. You know, I mean, it still hurts. That was a lot of money that just disappeared. Went so, away. Yeah. So the, I don't think that we can ignore that that's still out there for the investor. But again, if we go back to education and we show this run, there's another thing that I think is important to have a conversation with your buyers. And that is, and ironically, um, uh, one of my, my partners said to me, David, the interest rate, if the interest rates go up one point and you've overpaid by 50,000, it's a wash. And I was like, wow. So if I'm talking to an investor and they go, well, that's kind of a high price right now. It's the highest price it's ever been. Well, yeah. But if, again, if the interest rates go up one point, you've more than covered it. And then of course, the, the appreciation, we, we can't guarantee appreciation, but if we just look at history, 
And and it, even if it, I think, Diane, a, a normal market, and I think if we could erase all the effects of 2007, a normal market's 3%. If we go back to the beginning of time, that, and we just erase that little hiccup, right. it's 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3. So even now, if I, if I overpaid for this house by a little bit, you know, in two or three years, I'll be more than fine. It's a great hedge against inflation. There's some tremendous write-offs um, for high net worth individuals to have investment properties. There's depreciation so, that, yeah. Yeah, and so how, given that most of them understand this and most yes. state professionals understand, you know, how, how do we educate the investor market, right, to move now, still take advantage of what's happening now? And it really does come back to the principle of the fact that homes are coming on the market, right, David? Right. Well, they clearly are. And if you just you want to jump in, and I must investors understand, I think the first thing you got to do and you're working with anybody, if they have a fear, is you have to get rid of the fear. And so I think, again, we go back to the fear, show the history of the last 12 years of the market going up. And you can even, if you want to be creative, show the history from, you know, just, and, and call it for what it is. So look, at in this little slot here, we know that. We all felt that. But typically, this is where the market goes. And again, if we go back to the interest rates, it's going to be very important. You have to know your high net worth individual area. So I'm going to have to get, if I'm, I, I'm going to have to use what I know, and that's San Diego. Sure. So if I'm looking at San Diego, an investment property for me might be $800,000. Now that's going to be different in Boise or Miami or Boca Raton. Uh, and Boca Raton investment property could be 250. So what if I took really nice, I like nice, clean properties uh, for investors, especially if they're not into being handymen, nice, clean property, they're going to pay good money for it. But, and I sent all the $250,000 homes that were available to the $900 and up thousand dollar homeowners in Boca. That's your investor. And so now if that investor wants to, um, what do we call it when you diversify? Right. And they're going to keep, they still have their portfolio perhaps in the market or their 401k or Roth. And now they want to diversify a little bit into real estate. It's a great hedge. And I also, I know we talked about this the other day. I also think that there are, there is some, some clarity to coming out of those really big, expensive houses, looking at retirement. Perhaps the, a lot of these people, I, I think that there's a myth that these people aren't working. A lot of them are. They're just getting paid really, really well. Right. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> They also look at it as like, wait a second, okay, you know, I'm getting up there, I'm 65, I'm, you know, I, I, honey, I three years I can do this. Yep. Let's look at where we might like to retire. So I'm in, I'm in San Diego. Let's look at a nice home on the golf course in Palm Springs for a million dollars or two, two, a million and a half in Palm Springs. You can get a right. gorgeous home. Right. And, and so I'm going to sell my $5 million home. Yeah. And so really, in all practical terms, what you're talking about is some really creative targeting. Right. Okay? Where where instead of marketing to someone in the lower end of the luxury market, in whatever market we're talking about, about getting them to move, right. it's also getting them to contemplate other properties they could be investing in. Right. right. And, and David... Like practically speaking, how do you do that? Like how, how does an agent do that with you, with your company, your team? It's, it's very, it has to be it's very specific. It's direct yeah. mail. You have to, your messaging has to be clear. I have some of the best writers in the country as far as that. I'm not that, that guy, but I have people that are. Absolutely. Um, 
And they wrote the letter for me for the house that I wanted to buy. And it absolutely worked. So I think that's just proof in the pudding. I mean, does it work if you target them? It does work. And just spell it out. I think the presentation has to be impeccable. And so I don't have a sample of it here. Um, hold on one second. I, well, I can get one. But I literally mailed an envelope or the letter in a black envelope, hand addressed with a silver Sharpie. Now we have a printer that does that, <laughs> makes it look like it was hand addressed. <laughs> I wasn't doing 503 myself and my handwriting's not that good. But the impression, it was, so it was really, really powerful. Um, just the presentation and the verbiage was good. The, the beauty of it is if we work with, like I'm gonna work with this agent in Rancho Santa Fe, I can only work with one agent because it's so specific. You can't have this message flying around from 15 different agents right? because then it dilutes it and it doesn't make it look real. Right, but in the case of what we're talking about, it's a big world. And in yes. the case of what we're talking about, if you say this is a, a neighborhood of $1 million plus homes in Dallas, it's probably a good use of marketing dollars to not just spend the money in there trying to get those folks to physically move but Correct. to actually get them to enter real estate as an investor. And Correct. I love the idea of the uh, very specific, very high end, because the thing is, you might be talking about a $250,000 apartment, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's going into a million plus dollar home and they have a way that they want to be spoken to, right? Absolutely. Well, you have to have that education from the Institute. I mean, that's just... Yeah. That's just that's, plain and simple. There's no way around that. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And the other thing that um, before we run out of time, I, I do want to talk about effective agent to agent marketing. Oof. Okay. Well, right? Great subject. Great right. subject. So, so here we sit. I'm going to quote one of my favorite authors, Tom Friedman, the world is flat. Okay. And that nothing taught us about the movement of people as much as COVID did. And so we got into this place where people weren't just moving down the street anymore. They were moving into areas that we were thinking people wouldn't move to. And I love Boise as an example of that, but there's there's 50 of them, okay, right off the top of my head. So if we think about how do agents effectively both market themselves and their markets to other agents, in other markets, so that as we know, people are moving, they can be thought of. I, you know, it's it's a great question, and it's for many, many, many years, people have um, broached that to me, and especially because we first started this business in South Florida in Boca Raton, and people will say, "Well, you know, all of the buyers are coming from Chicago or Jersey and uh, Indiana, wherever it was, and how do we target them?" And for the longest time, I was like, "You know, you just..." You can't just target, you know, 80 million homes in Chicago. It's cost ineffective. And then you and I had this conversation, as we often do, and you turned the light bulb on in me and went, wait a second. What if I just targeted, I pulled all Chicago agents, which we can do, and I just want the top 100 agents. And the reason is I'm going to figure out how many homes they sold. So let's say for conversation's sake, they sold 1,000 homes combined, 10 each. When I go into a listing presentation in Boca Raton and say, look it, with this data that I have from our MLS source that this we know this percentage of people actually move here, I'm going to target this agent because we know they've worked with a thousand homeowners that have actually sold. 
So rather than target the homeowner, let's target the agent that's going to actually do it. And I'll give you a couple of examples or some myths. And, and you were brilliant in educating me on this one. So I did my old favorite and went back to um, Broward County, which is Boca Raton. And most people would think, um, all right, I'm going to go to Chicago, Jersey, New York, Connecticut. All right, you ready for this? Yep. 15% uh, of the buyers in Broward County came from Broward County. 12% hmm. came from Miami. And 2% came from Orange County, which is Orlando area. So you don't even get into New York and only 2.3%, right? Chicago, New Jersey doesn't even, well, Jersey makes it at 1.8%. There's an interesting thing here, and I, maybe this is a different subject, but there's 2% came from King County, Washington. And I, yeah. pulled, wow. I, I pulled four of these reports. Three of yeah. them, King County made the top, the top seven. So I go back to my staff, I go, go find out why. The social unrest in King County, Boise is King County. Like who would think? Right. But exactly. if you have this information, you can target it. Like, so now what if I go to the King County top 10 agents and I just mail them all my brochures into my, of my market area. So they say, oh, wow, David is really brilliant in Rancho Santa Fe. I mean, look at his market report he provides every month. I want my homeowner to work with somebody knowledgeable. And so now it's agent to agent referral and you're able to conquer that quest of how do I get to 80 million homeowners? You're not, you're just going to a thousand agents or 500 agents. And look, I mean, we teach this um, in our course, but I wanted us to get into even more brutal detail on it because I think it's the place that um, today is one of the best sources of success. Yes. Um, there's, uh, the Institute Network is proving to be the place for agents to really do this well. And my recommendation to our members is just make absolutely certain you're in the network and that you're presenting your market, just not yourself, but you're presenting mar your market in the way that David is suggesting. Okay. And so I'm going to, I really want to unpack that a little bit further, David. So what you're saying is, County and city are irrelevant here. This is a report that you can get on realtor.com. The yep. link will be in the in the podcast notes. Right there. It is information collected about cross-market demand. So yep. if I'm in Dallas, everybody in Dallas thinks everybody's coming here from, you know, LA. Well, it's not true. That's a myth. And so yep. what realtor.com is going to say is, here's really where they're coming from. And the strategy is to make absolutely certain that those agents in those markets where people are coming to your city, not just say, hi, I'm, you know, Diane and I'm in Dallas. No, no. Let me talk to you about Dallas and I'm going to have a brochure about Dallas and I'm going to show you how I'm successful in Dallas. Now you're memorable. And then secondly, Always remember your folks need that referral when they're leaving your city. And so to David's point, do it the other way around. Understand where people are going in your city because you need to help them. This could be the reason why they choose you if their home is being listed and they say, I don't even know who I'm going to work with in Salt Lake City, but my company has allowed me to work from anywhere. I have a million bucks. I want to spend it in Salt Lake City. I don't know who to work with. So. There's 
the the specific ways that you can do this, and I think the most effective are through the Institute Network for our members. Um, And we we have a a tremendous number in there. And so just be specific. So again, back to what you said, David, and, and typically when you talk, I write things down. And the thing, one of the most important things I heard you say today is about creative targeting. And we touched upon a number of ways to creative target from the things that we know of where you write letters to sellers, but just don't write the letter, write a special letter. Okay. And spend some money on how it's presented so that your client can be memorable. Right. Can I show you, why don't I show you a hard copy example? And this is a real true story. And it's Maricopa County. It's Arizona, Scottsdale and Phoenix. Almost 20% of their buyers come from LA and Orange County. So this is one of our clients. This is Phoenix. He does Scottsdale as well. What if I mail this to Stephanie Younger, who does 250 deals a year, in LA and 20% of her clients are, le- are coming to Arizona. Now this is, the, Stephanie's like, whoa, I don't know much about Scottsdale, but this Lisa Gal sure does. Right. So I think if you can see a hard copy, you kind of get, a, I keep talking about what we're mailing. So if I can mail this specific market report or an investor report, there's, right. and either way. So I think just yeah. seeing it for me, I'm a visual person. Well, and and so the, I think the, I think most of our listeners understand the quality that you talk about. So it's high quality done, you know, done in a um, variable data so that it's addressed to the person. Right. It's not resident. No. (laughs) And and then it's large enough that it sticks out in their mailbox. That's what you were holding up for for those of us who aren't seeing this. Um, But it's what's in it. It's very specific to a different area that that agent may or may not know well. So right. you are seen, you as the agent in Scottsdale are seen as um, someone that these agents in LA and Orange County want to work with. So, so look, I mean, as usual, we've left our folks with lots and lots of things. I'm, I'm guessing on this one, there's going to be a lot of rewind because together we talk really fast. Um, <laughs> but I thank goodness for that rewind button. But David, look, um, company is is real marketing you've been a, a, a partner of the institute for you know almost as long as i've been here and it's the ideas are great but the execution is what's critical anybody can have an idea your company executes those good ideas so thank you for your time and my pleasure appreciate it thank you very thanks much diane and thanks for listening everybody Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of A State of Mind, The Art of Selling Luxury Real Estate. If you're interested in learning more about the Institute, you can find more at luxuryhomemarketing.com. If you liked what you just heard, please share with a friend and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening. 